Bonjour everyone, you're listening to I Just Want to Read the Podcast. I'm your host, Jean-Philippe. Okay, so today we have a special guest. We are not going to talk just about food. We're going to be talking about beer. And I have with me Nirav Vias. Hello, Nirav. Hello. So, Nirav, in fact, what's interesting, and we met, what, two months ago in an event at Brick Lane Curry House in New Jersey, in Jersey City. I think it was end of July, yeah. End of July. And... Um, in fact, we met because you were showcasing your beer, the 1947 beer. So can you tell us maybe a bit more about you before we talk about that beer? Sure. And uh, first of all, let me say thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be doing this with you. And I hope you enjoyed the meal at Brick Lane. Uh, we, we definitely had some very good feedback from that event. You're welcome. No, I love the food there. I need to go back, you know, because the food was incredible. The food, he's a very talented chef. Um, sure. So I am a born and raised New Yorker. Uh, I grew up in Queens. I went to high school in the Bronx and I went to NYU for my undergrad. Um, always been a New Yorker. Um, it's, you know, when I moved to New Jersey, I, I couldn't stray too far from where I was and with, with 1947 up and running um, and New York City being our strong stronghold uh, point of business, um, I couldn't stray too far from home. Uh, so, you know, my background, I've worked on Wall Street for the last 20 years, but now I find myself doing what I love, which is, uh, you know, the beer business. It's uh, the passion for good food and good beer uh, is kind of what brought this all together. And you know, to me, those kind of events is really what makes this worthwhile. It's meeting people for the first time uh, who are trying 1947, watching them tr have that first sip and go, wow, like, this is pretty good. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, that's what we try to aim for uh, every time we do these events is meeting new people and, you know, having fun uh, in this business. Yeah, and I guess the, the message in a way that is behind the creation of your beer but if I remember, it was the, the fact that you love food and, and you thought, how can I create a beer that goes well with food? I, I think that message really was well carried out during, uh, during that event. But it's a big step, you know, to, to say, hey, I like beer with food and to decide to create your own beer. So can, can you tell me how, how did you decide suddenly to... to jump into that uh, that story sure so you know first and foremost like i've always had the entrepreneurial bug uh since i was young and i was equally fascinated by the alcohol business you know when i started in 1947 i was i was in my you know mid mid 20s at the time so i was at bars you know three four times a week with my friends and i was watching what people were drinking and why they were drinking what they were drinking and you know whether it was whiskey or beer you know back then we weren't such wine guys uh, even now wine is not on my top of the list items but just watching what people were drinking was really a fascinating thing to me and then 1947 really evolved from the fact that you know as we would go to restaurants we'd have a great meal but the beers that were being offered to us were subpar you know mind you this is about 15 years ago 15 20 years ago so the craft beer business craft beer scene wasn't as developed and as 
complex as it is today. Um, so what was being offered at a lot of these restaurants was really just subpar in our opinion. So, you know, I got together with a couple of friends and I said, look, why don't we try to create a beer that really solves for what we're missing, which is something that pairs really well with the foods that we enjoy. So we weren't trying to recreate the wheel. We were literally just trying to find the beer that would solve for what we thought was missing in our lives. And, you know, the more the more we talked to uh, a group of friends who were hanging out with us, they all kind of said the same thing. They said, hey, you know, if we really had a nice beer that paired well with this, I would drink that. So as simple as it sounds, that's how 1947 came to be. Okay. And how did you learn what was the process to go from that idea to then uh, having the first bottle at hand? Sure. So, you know, people ask me this question quite a lot. Uh, it, it is a very interesting process because there's no um, there was no guidebook back then. I think there's more, hey, you know, you want to be an entrepreneur, this is how you do it. But, you know, 20 years ago, this was not the case. So a lot of it was cold calling breweries to see who'd be willing to work with us. Uh, back then, there were certainly a limited number of contract uh, craft brewers in general. Right. So the idea to first bottle took almost five years you know when i look at it uh oh, wow. yeah because you know back then it took a lot of time for us to just find the people that were involved in the in the business and the regulation side of it was so complex so it took us about a year and a half two years just to get through the legal work to get approval and then another year and a half two years to you know go through to get our design our initial design our initial recipe for the beer and then scheduling tank time and getting our first bottle produced. Um, yeah, it was about all in about five years, start to finish. Okay. And do you have any interesting or funny beer-related story? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this one I still laugh at because my friend who drinks my beer religiously always reminds me of this. So early on, John, when we were just coming up with the idea and like sampling different recipes, we got a group of about 15 to 20 of our friends together. You know, we, we bought some food because we're like, look, it has to pair well with the food. So my close friend took his first sip, walked over to me, put his arm around me. He said, I love you, but please stick to your day job. This beer is absolutely terrible. So, <laughs> you know, clearly the first batch didn't go as well as we had hoped. But, you know, we did this three or four times. And then, you know, we finally started getting to a more consistent base but it's just like anything else you know it's the first time let's see what people think and the look on his face was priceless uh but the the other thing i'll tell you is that um and this one is a testament to just the way we run our business we had a customer uh, call us a big restaurant in the city and it was probably like 4 35 o'clock on a saturday and they said oh my god our manager forgot to put in the order for the beer we have a big party tonight we need 10 cases of beer immediately Now, I happen to be going to a wedding with my wife, and she goes, you got to be kidding me. We're really going to stop to make a delivery of beer? I said, absolutely. So I walked into the restaurant wearing a nice suit, and one of the patrons goes, you're the most well-dressed delivery guy I've ever seen. I said, listen, we, we, we aim to please. Look, it's a, it's a great story. I can't really imagine, you know, your friends and you trying multiple batches of beer. You must have been, you know, in a, in a state that was pretty interesting now. <laughs> we, um, I think we did two batches at a time. Uh, we, you know, the, the process, it's like cooking, right? 
it's you are mixing and matching. You 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 have a general sense of what you're trying to create. And the first couple of batches, we had a couple of variables that we added. Then, based on the feedback we got, you know, six, about two months later, we'd introduce the same group of people again. And that was the key thing: is having the same group of 15 to 20 people because they knew what the first one tasted like. They knew what the second one tasted like. So once we got to a point where people were like, "Hey, this is pretty good." So out of those 25 to 30 people, we then extended it to our second group of friends and family and acquaintances. So I think by the time 1947 Lager actually hit, was the first bottle was produced, we had probably sampled with close to 500 people over like a one-year time frame. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't just what you and I liked, right? Because you and yeah, I can like yeah. a very specific type of beer, and that's great. But the other 98 people in the room may be like, you know what? That's not really what I want. So, you know, this was a business as much as it is a passion. Um, you know, the business side of it definitely dictates. Like, look, you are creating a beer that I enjoy and you enjoy, but that also eight out of ten people enjoy as well. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you, you know, a few years ago, I went to a brewery in uh, Milwaukee. And as we were touring the brewery, there were two tour guides and they had this game where one of the guys was saying, I'm going to ask a question. If he responds, the, if, if he gives me the wrong answer, he's going to have to drink a glass of beer. And of course, the guy each time was giving the wrong answer. And at the end, I can tell you they were in a state they could barely walk. And it was, I think it was in the morning, so it was not even the afternoon, you know. So, so that's why I was trying to imagine, you know, what was going on when people were trying your beer. So, but that was a memorable tour, definitely. I don't know if they're still working there, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's funny you say that. When I graduated college, I went to Europe, like many people do, and we went to the Heineken Brewery in Amsterdam, and it was 8.30 in the morning, and, you know, this is 2000, right? So we're at the brewery at 8.15 in the morning and the guy told us, listen, if you tip the guy like, you know, X amount of dollars, they'll give you more beers. So we started the tour at 8.15 and you do the tour and then you sit in the drinking hall, the beer hall. And my God, by 8.45, I don't remember how the day ended. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you, Nirav. The, sure. So your beer, first the logo is beautiful. And, and maybe you can Thank explain you a, a bit about the logo and then the name, 1947. Maybe, maybe some people don't really know what the meaning of that date is. Sure. So let me start with the name, 1947. So when we were creating the brand, right, we wanted to differentiate ourselves. And we really thought a number with the meaning behind it would stand out, right, from a conversation standpoint, from a branding standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, we just thought numbers would really pop. With a good logo, the numbers would really pop. And that's how we decided, like, okay, let's find a number that works. So that was the first half of it. The second half was like, well, what, are we, what number are we going to pick? So we thought about it and we said, look, our brand needs to stand for something. We need to stand for something, right? Like, what is this about, right? Why are people going to feel a connection to 1947. So we, we sat down collectively, we thought about it, and we kind of started looking at things and we said, you know what, 1947 is the year of India's independence, right? So that's where 
uh, are my family's from, my partner's families are from. The second part, which I love, is the fact that if you add up the numbers, one plus nine plus four plus seven, it equals 21, which is a legal drinking age and also winning hand in blackjack <laughs> if you play cards. So then we said, well, that's pretty yep. cool. Let's see what else happened in 1947. And then we saw that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball. The first concept of the cellular phone was created. So the more and more we digged, the more impressed we were with how many great things happened in 1947. And then what we collectively thought was like, look, 1947 really symbolizes what we want this beer to represent. It's a year which the world witnessed some amazing accomplishments, a year where like the unthinkable and impossible became reality. And that, if you actually look at our website, that's like the first line we write on the our craft, because that really is what this brand is about. So now the elephant, and thank you very much uh, that you like the elephant. We spent a long, long time, basically all of 2020, working on a, a rebrand of 1947. So the elephant, we wanted something that was eye-catchy, strong, bold, iconic, right? It's what we wanted our brand to represent. And if you notice, the elephant is walking forward, and that's done very specifically because we always want to be moving forward in life. I know it's, it's a phrase that people throw around all the time, but we've really put this exactly where our heart is, right on the front of the bottle. And, you know, that's what we're about. You know, we're trying to move forward. We want a, we want a strong brand, a strong following with our, with our customers, with our friends. And, you know, we really wanted to make sure we had a bright, bold, eye-catchy logo that you could see from a mile away. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful bottle, I have to say. It's, no, it's thank amazing. You. Are you planning on uh, doing maybe other different type of beer or, or just that one? Yes. No, absolutely. So we are working on an IPA, which we hope to uh, introduce later this year. And then down the road, we'll probably introduce one to two more styles of beer. That'll be probably year-round beers. And then we are working on two seasonal beers that we will hope to introduce uh, in 2022. Okay. And what? Yeah, what but could... the next. Yeah, please go ahead. I'm sorry. the the next The next beer that we're going to introduce will be the IPA. Okay. And where can we find the 1947 today? Sure. So we are in 11 states throughout the U.S. And if you go to our website, 1947beer.com, there is a tab called Find the 47. And simply there, you just put in your zip code and you will find all the retail locations where 1947, uh, you can pick up a six pack or a case of beer. Okay. So now let's talk about food a little bit. Sure. Do you think beer is an alternative to wine when it comes to pairing with food? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, to me, there, there's no dish in the world where beer can't be paired with, right? And before, you know, we were, a lot of us were accustomed to the thought that wine was the perfect pairing for so many high-end dishes, right? If you went to a fancy French restaurant or a high-end seafood restaurant or American fair, it was always wine that was presented as like the perfect pairing. I, I think beer has come such a long way and the flavor profile and the complexity and just the creative minds that are out there on a global basis. What they are doing with beer is just tremendous. And there, isn't, there hasn't been a dish that I've ever said, wow, 
you know, I can't find the, that I need to have wine with this dish or something else. To me, beer is always my first choice. And I'm not saying that because I'm in the beer business, but that's how I got into the beer business because I always thought beer was just a great, great um, complement to great food. So you would have it with any kind of food? Anything. I, I, till this day, till this day, I haven't found a dish, maybe outside of soup. Um, I haven't found a dish where beer does not go well. And when, when people tell me, well, it doesn't pair well, I go, well, tell me why your wine pairs so much better than this beer. Yeah, you know what's interesting? A few years ago, I went to an event at the French Cheese Board, and it yep. was pairing, the first event was pairing cheese with tequila and cheese with whiskey. Yeah. So, and, and people were like, what? It's not wine? No. And, and I really enjoy whiskey. So, um, I, well, I can understand you what you're saying. You and I have in common. Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so, but it's true that, you know, even with chocolate, eating, you know, chocolate and whiskey, for example, I really enjoy it together. I think it, it really enhances the, the taste of both without commingling them. You know, you can still taste both of them separately in a way and so I, I love it and uh, I agree with you I, I think there's this conception that you need to have wine with food if you have any alcohol where in fact and, and I'm French huh, so wine uh, is, a, is a big thing so probably I'm gonna have a lot of enemies now but I, I think there are different kind of drinks that pair very well with any kind of food. Look, I, I love wine just as much. Uh, you know, I have, I will enjoy a nice glass of wine with a meal, but the, the thought that beer can't be paired with certain cuisines or I, I was in a restaurant once and I heard a patron say, well, wine is just more elegant. And that's a fair statement, right? Because it is a, the bottle's grander, It's a much more of a process of opening. And we are, we've been taught that a, a expensive bottle of wine is what you're supposed to have with an expensive meal, right? Today, what I am amazed by, like being part of the beer industry and also as a consumer, is just how talented this new wave of brewers are and the hops that are being used, the techniques that are being refined, the creativity is at such heights, at such new levels that they're looking at things that we couldn't do before or barriers per se, right? Breaking that wine barrier to food pairing. I see it firsthand and, you know, we've done it with our lager with, especially with the Asian cuisine, right? We've gone in yep. and, you know, and it's not just me saying it, it's people trying it and say, wow, look, look what we did in the process, right? Like our whole concept for 1947 is, complement not compete on your palate that's exactly how we designed this beer right all our flavor on the beer is on the front end as you witnessed with a very smooth finish so our thought is enjoy the food enjoy the beer do it again yeah no look it's you know it, it's very true that uh, wine is more elegant but the, the way i see it is when you go to have a meal at the end of the day it's to enjoy it fully not to be elegant in a way. You see what I mean? Yes. So I, I, I think I, I don't see much barrier, but it's true that if you try to go to a fancy restaurant, good luck to try to have a beer with your meal. 
I don't even think you know they would even even uh, propose a beer in some of those restaurants. I'm talking about you know the the Perse, Daniel, the Bernardin. I'm not even sure they have beer on their menu. And if you ask for a beer, they're going to be able to give you one. Well, you know, I will tell you that 11 Madison Park, right, voted the world's number one restaurant. Mm -hmm. They actually have a very, they actually have an extensive beer list. And the prices on these beers are eye-opening because it's not a $10 bottle. It's not a $15 bottle. There are bottles here that are from some of the world's most private breweries, uh, beers that are really hard to find. And there were beers on that list that I saw that were north of $100. Oh, wow. So, you know, that was the first time I had seen a beer menu of such a high caliber. I think most restaurants for a bottle will top out somewhere maybe $15, $16 if you have some Belgian beers in there or some very high-end IPAs. But, you know, I think IPAs and restaurants uh, gets a little tricky because, you know, the IPAs have such a strong flavor profile, right? The hops that are being used, I mean, that's what IPAs are known for, right? It's the different hops that are being used. So sometimes to me, that competes a little too much with the food. So I think you have to be a little careful as to how you pair it. But, you know, I certainly think that every food has a perfect beer and, and the trick is to find the one that fits perfectly with what you're eating at that moment. So it would be like wine, in fact, ultimately. It is. It's, you know, it's, it's mixing and matching. Everyone has preferences. You may like something sweet. I may like something sour. And, and the beauty of beer is that there really is something for everyone. And just like wine, right? Like you said, there is something for everybody. And I think it comes down to what are you in the mood for? What do you feel like having? Yeah. And, and look, the only beer I would probably not have with food because it's food in itself, it's a Guinness. Yeah, Guinness is a, Guinness is a nice, uh, nice full beer. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's really good. It's a nice beer. I got the chance to, to go uh, to Ireland a few years ago and, and visit. It's not anymore their brewery. Hein. They transformed that into a museum. Have you been to their location in Maryland? No. You should visit. You should definitely visit their location. It's Maryland. It's, it's great in the spring, summertime. They have a beautiful outdoor area, but they, they produce a lot of, lot of different styles of Guinness out of that brewery in uh, Maryland. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the tip. I'll, uh, I'll check that yeah. out. So what, if you had to pick one cuisine to eat with beer, what would it be? <laughs> You know, there's there's not just one cuisine. That's what I realized. It's that my, my love of food has taken me to so many different so many different genres of food that I couldn't tell you that there's just one cuisine. I, I think honestly what I said before holds true that beer pairs perfectly with everything, right? Uh whether it's Asian cuisine, which is what I grew up eating. Um, but you know, my love for Southeast Asian cuisine as well, Thai, Vietnamese. Uh, then when we have barbecue or pizza, like I really feel like any like beer is just pairs perfectly with all these cuisines. Okay, and what's your favorite beer besides the 1947? You know, I'm I'm truly truly fascinated by Belgian beers. Um, when I was younger, I had, I was taken to a Belgian beer bar uh, by a friend of mine um, who lived in France, and he's like, you have to try this beer. Yeah, I was like probably in my early 20s and I, I couldn't tell you what I had tried because I tried four or five different beers that day. 
And I ended up going back two weeks later and I was like, I want to try these again, but now like very focused on what I was drinking. And even today when I'm not drinking 1947, then my friend's like, hey, let's go to a beer bar. I will find myself going to more bars where I know there's Belgian beers on tap or on bottle. Uh, I, I just think it's a very unique style. They're a distinct flavor profile. Um, just it's, it's a fascinating um, country because there's so many different types of beers that are coming out of there. And each one is done at such a high level that um, I definitely spend way too much money on Belgian beers. <laughs> <laughs> and is there the concept, you know, you have the whiskey Bible. Is there a concept of a beer Bible with all the beers that are made in the world with ratings, etc.? You know, I, I take ratings with a grain of salt. Um, I, I do that for restaurants as well. I, I read the reviews and, you know, I, I see if, they, if 10 out of 10 people are saying the same thing, then maybe there's some truth to it. Um, I think when you have thousands and thousands of people reviewing beers, like there's always going to be something that someone doesn't like. Um, I think, look, everyone should be their own judge. I think if you like something and someone else doesn't, then that's okay. True. That's okay. But as, as beer a connoisseurs that you and I are, if I see like, you know, everyone's saying, hey, you have to go check out this brewery, I'll probably go check out the brewery just because I want to see what they're working on and what, as a beer fan, I want to drink good yep. beer, right? So if somebody's doing something, I'm, you know, I think the beer industry is supportive of one another. Uh, I see a lot of, um, a lot of like co co projects being done, and you know, it's more open than I would have thought uh, compared to a lot of other industries. I see people being more uh, open to do collaborations and sharing ideas, and hey, this works for us, and I'd recommend you do this, not that. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about the beer industry. Like when I go to other breweries and I introduce myself. You know, the head brewer will often come out and say, hey, let me give you some stuff that's not even available. Like, see what you think. So I think it's a great business and everyone's very friendly and I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it seems uh, seems great. Look, the, yeah. the, you know, sometimes when you have the whiskey Bible, beer Bible or whatever yeah. Bible exists, it's also a good way, you know, to discover, not just look at the ratings, but also discover this country is doing uh, beer. So for example, You know, a lot of people are surprised when I tell them that there's whiskey in India, produced in India. You know, I love Amrut, for example. But by having this kind of guide, I would say it's, it's a good way to learn more about what's done in other countries. So look, maybe it's an idea. Maybe your next... Uh, Your next project would be to uh, to have a sort of a beer guide with all the beers in the in the world. But unfortunately, you're gonna have to try them. So uh, it's a hard job. Yeah, you know your point is valid. Um, a lot of people don't know that other countries in the world make very very high end whiskeys. India being one of them. Uh, they they have a brand there called Amrut, which has won numerous awards. I mean, it wasn't until recently that people starting falling in love with Japanese whiskeys, right? Yep. You know, 10 years ago, if somebody said to you, hey, a Yamazaki or Hibiki or, you know, anything of that kind of caliber was around, people would laugh. And it's only after they started winning some very well-respected competitions globally that, people, that the Japanese whiskey started getting on the radar. And now, if your collection doesn't have a Japanese whiskey, it's not a real collection. Yep. And... 
they have difficulties to find Japanese whiskey. So it's more and more rare. In fact, not, not rare yet, but the, the production is not enough to sustain the demand. Yeah, you know, we're not, not traveling as much as I used to, but when we would go to duty-free, especially to the Asia countries, we would try to buy as much as we could uh, and bring it back home. Yeah, no, duty-free is, is a great thing. And, and you know, one thing I'm going to mention also, we talk about uh, whiskey in India, but France also is a big producer of whiskey because France is a producer of cereals. And so different producers were thinking, you know what, with all those cereals, maybe we can make some alcohol. And they decided to produce whiskey. So you have plenty of French whiskey. I mean, you, you can find some here, but it's not as popular as, uh, as what it should be. But uh, look, it's, it's a different episode of a podcast, I think, on the whiskey. Huh? Let's, go back. Yeah. Let's go back to the beer. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Besides, you, you know, I drink coffee. So one of the moments, there's two moments in the day where I like to have my coffee, breakfast and after my lunch. And I need to have my coffee. You know, my lunch is not done if I don't have my coffee. So for you, what is the favorite moment to drink beer? You know, on the weekends, I'll tell you, I like drinking beer in the afternoon. Uh, that to me is a perfect time. Um, I like to drink beer on draft when it's possible. Nice chilled glass, you know, if it's in the summer, like right around three, four o'clock, you know, if we're at the pool hanging out, like to me, that's like the perfect time. Um, and in the winter, I ski a lot with my kids. So to me, not only am I looking forward to skiing, but I'm looking forward to that four, four thirty beer that you have at the end of a nice day of skiing. Um, those are, you know, when I'm thinking about like when I really enjoy beer, that's kind of it. It's, um, at some point in the day, usually late in the afternoon, early evening, it sets the mood for the rest of the day for me. Yep. So l let me ask you a question. What are, what are some of your favorite beers that you, you enjoy on a standalone basis, not even with food, but just on a standalone basis? Look, I admit that uh, usually I have beer more, uh, definitely not with food except if I go to a Chinese restaurant, but it's going to be a very light beer, but it's the Tsingtao, uh, because right. typically uh, that's the only thing they have there. But I, I like Guinness. It's a, it's a whole meal by itself, but it's okay. I, I really like it. Uh, I like the, the color of it. I like the taste of it. And, and then, you know, you are talking about numbers, but uh, you have the 1664, Cronenberg, yeah. Yep, that is really good. And, and you know, it's interesting because the, the way people... So it's 1664. In French, it's 1664. But typically, when people would order it, they would say, give me a 16. Don't mind 16. Interesting. And, and the barman usually knows, okay, 16 is 1664. Because it became so popular, you know, at some point. So I like that one too. It's, uh, it's quite a, a nice beer. But look, there are so many different beers. You know, when you go to, uh, to a brewery, there's one in uh, Long Island City, for example. They have so many different kinds. You know, it's always very interesting to try beers that sometimes are produced in small batches that are very original. So I think that's what I really like, you know, to find a beer that is not that known, that is a bit original, 
and with a, a taste that you never had before. It, it's very, it, it's, you bring up a wonderful point and that is the regionality of beer. So if you travel throughout the US, you'll realize that the beers you find on the East Coast are not the beers you're gonna find on the West Coast at all. Very few beers have had that power of crossing from the East to the West um, in the general market, right? And I think that's one of the that's one of the great things about this whole beer business right now, like how the market's evolving. You go to Colorado, you're gonna have beer. If you walk into a bar, there's 20 taps. You can have 20 beers from different breweries in Colorado for the most part. I went to a bar in Houston, Texas, and there were 24 taps and 20 were local beers and four were Anheuser-Busch beers. But 20 local beers, because when somebody walks in, they go, what's local? What's new and what's local? So I think that's a fascinating part of this whole uh, evolution of the beer market as it's changing and growing is that the regional model is becoming very, very uh, strong, which also makes it challenging for distributors because if you're trying to grow your brand, you have to find the niche, right? So if you're an East Coast distributor and you're bringing in beers from the West Coast, right? Well, the challenge is that the bars you're selling these beers into or the retail stores, especially at the bars, the retail is a little easier, but I think at the bars, it becomes very challenging because you have to convince a bartender, a manager to take on a beer from the West Coast that maybe nobody's even heard of versus the beer of like eight to 10 local craft breweries with are within two hours of where you are. And would you know how the, the number of breweries in the United States? Oh, I think I saw this the other day. I think it's north of 5,000 craft breweries uh, ranging in all sizes throughout the U.S. Oh, wow. And, and you know, one thing we did not uh, talk about is food made with beer. Yes. Because I went to an event a few years ago in Brooklyn and they were serving beer ice cream. So when you hear like, hey, I'm going to eat some beer ice cream, you're wondering what it's going to taste like. It was pretty good. You, you don't get, you know, if, if people don't tell you it's beer ice cream, you're not going to know. I mean, it depends after how they make it. You would not have known, but it was pretty good. You're seeing beer being used more and more. Um, if you actually go to our website, uh, we have a section there called Beer and Bites. And this is something I'm very proud of. So we are working with chefs to create specific recipes for 1947 beer that pair well. And a couple of the chefs have actually used 1947 in their marinade, in their batter. So we're definitely seeing beer uh, being added to food more and more. And like I said before, the creativity is only beginning. You know, I think the chefs are getting more creative. The brewmasters are getting more creative. So I think you're going to see a lot more dishes where beer is infused into the ingredients. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm going to give you two examples. When I used to make burgers and I was making the patty with the ground meat, I used to put beer in it. So that was that was my base. Instead of putting a lot of fillers and stuff, I was using beer. Right. And then for savory crepes, there are some recipes where milk or water is replaced by beer in France. That's great. So you can try that. It's uh, And I'm sure there's much more. Uh, and, and then, yes, there's also a dish called arroz con pollo a la chorela. It's that. So it's rice with chicken and the rice is cooked in beer wow. so there are recipes like that 
with uh, with beer and i'm sure sometimes uh, we end up eating things we don't even know that they put beer in it so so look i i think there's definitely uh, a lot to talk about with beer whether it's drinks food being with friends i i think it's a it's a great drink to uh, socialize and and be together i'm i'm really happy i got to try uh, the 1947 and so maybe you can tell us where we can find you if you can just give your uh, your website and uh, where people can find more information about uh, 1947? Absolutely. So our website is 1947beer.com, and you can follow us on social media at 1947beer on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we do a lot of events. Uh, we do a lot of festivals. We have one coming up uh, this uh, on September 17th in New Jersey. So we're excited to be a part of it. And You know, I, these kind of opportunities are great to meet people that are passionate about food and beer. And, you know, thank you so much for allowing me to have this very nice conversation with you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks to you for uh, really talking about uh, your beer with such passion. It's, uh, it was great. Thank you, Nirav. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any question, comment, or suggestion at jp at ijustwanttoeat.com and check out the blog at www.ijustwanttoeat.com. A bientôt. Au revoir.